الحمد لله الحمد لله حمدا كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه مباركا عليه كما يحب ربنا ويرضى جل جلاله وعما نواله والصلاة والسلام على سيد الحبيب المصطفى صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, as discussed yesterday in the pre-Jumu'ah bayan as well, that لا تقربوا الزنا إنه كان فاحشة Don't go close to zina, uh, don't uh, become close to zina, don't approach zina, don't uh, do any preliminaries of zina or fornication or uh, unlawful intercourse uh, because th- that the detriment of that is extreme. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, don't even get close to it. Now in that regard, we want to discuss a number of things. Uh, there's some extremes in this regard that we, which we need to discuss. There's some approaches that we need to discuss as well. As discussed yesterday, it's a f- flirting around and taking these opportunities and these chances. They need to be avoided. One One thing... I'm going to try to mention a few things that were not mentioned yesterday. And for those who didn't listen to the yesterday's burn, you'll eventually it'll be on uh, the Masjid's website or Zamzam Academy website. It'll be it'll be on there, so you can listen to that part as well. But there's a number of issues. One is that some people may say that flirting and not remember this happens with women as well. Women who are at work and some women who are not at work. Uh, I've, we've had a number of cases where these husbands are complaining of their wives uh, talking to their cousins, uh, their cousins or a, a previous boyfriend or a previous uh, or somebody they know from one of their neighbors or something like that. They're discussing these things. Um, they, they talk to them and there's even cases where it's kind of gone beyond that as well. So it doesn't just happen with men. Yes, generally men have more of these problems and women we get more complaints from women about this but you do have it the other way around as well and it's really sad it's really it's really sad when you hear about these things either way it's just really sad when either of them do it because the heartache that it creates the mistrust the sense of deception and when husband and wives lose trust for each other and when you see zina is one of those things that it leads to deception because zina is something that is considered to be abon- uh, 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 an abomination and a, uh, a really evil and despicable act, uh, especially in our communities, in the Muslim community. So when somebody does it, they're generally going to hide it, especially if they're married. They're going to try to hide it as much as possible. And in order to hide something, you have to lie. And once you start lying, then you lie, you know, one lie leads to the next. So one lie brings about ten lies so a person is then committing so many different sins just because of this is committing so many sins and what the other thing you have to remember is that sometimes there's no zina involved like there's no proper zina involved the person has no 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 you know absolutely no intention whether it's the woman or the man to actually go the full way and actually commit zina and fornicate but what they do have in mind is they just want that feeling of attention they just want that attention so that's what that's why they're engaging in people. So the the reason why they're doing this is just to feel liked, to feel sought after, right? Even though they're now married and they should be focused on that, but they they just feel like that. They they just want to you know have some more romance in their life, or they just want to feel that 
feel of euphoria or that that feeling in their stomach or whatever you want to call it that that's that, that's the problem that's where people you know are trying to go they're trying to get that so they have absolutely no intention no we're never going to commit zina that's something haram we're never going to do that but then they treat this as something minor and then when that happens the problem is that these things can escalate for many people it can escalate so then even if they're doing just the flirtation, they're going to try to keep that concealed because they don't, they don't want anybody else to see it. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ said that a sin is that which is going to cause turbulence in your heart. وَكَرِهْتَ أَنْ يَطَّلِعَ عَلَيْهِ النَّاسِ And you, are, you, you, you dislike the fact that somebody's going to find out about it. So you're going to try to keep it concealed as, as, as much as possible. Now these are challenges. And the greater challenge here, I think, are with the women that are working because i'm speaking to women only here that's why i'm focused on uh, you know on the women aspect of it so just as men have that challenge at work the women are going to have this challenge at work sometimes it's not you that are interested in anybody but then somebody's going to hit on you now how do you react to that that that's that's the difficulty for example let's just say that there's somebody who's just lost something in the sense that they're grieved and they're crying right they're in a vulnerable situation Generally, human beings, the way we react to people is that, you know, we, you have some compassion, you have some mercy, then you'll say some nice words to them, then they'll start opening up, telling you their story, you'll get emotionally attached with them, you'll start feeling sorry for them, and then after that, the shaitan is there, and then it becomes sexual eventually. So that's the difficulty that, that you have to be dealing with. So I'm just trying to raise these issues so that you can realize that this is, this is the wrong way to do this. This is the complete wrong way to do this. Having said that, and talking about the despicability of this act and so on, it needs to be absolutely avoided. On the other hand, though, what I want to mention is something very important as well. We've got some other extremes in our community. We've got some people who actually think that it's completely haram to even speak to the opposite gender for, for a need as well. So, but, but many of us are very hypocritical about that, where you don't want to speak to somebody, but when it comes to speaking to non-Muslims, you do. Right, you know, for a particular need. Now, obviously, the the Sharia has not prohibited that a man uh, that, that a man speak to a, un, uh, you know, to a marriageable woman or a woman speak to a you know a non-mahram man. That's not prohibited. It's guided. It's qualified. It's specifically restricted to cases of need. And even in that need, it needs to be done with a particular adab. It needs to be done with pure intention. It needs to be done for the sake of need. And it also needs to be done. Um, uh, f f uh, w w with, with a pure intention keeping the heart pure because you need a need fulfilled you can't always wait for your husband to talk to them right if you have to talk to somebody then do it in a professional decent adab manner according to the sunnah as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran don't soften your voices try to speak in a kind of a formal tone don't speak in a way that is going to attract their undue attention you know and some women might say, well, I'm just speaking my normal voice. Yes, you are speaking your normal voice. But if your normal voice is very soft and alluring, some, you know, some people just have that kind of a voice, whether it's man or women. Their voices are very attractive. Some people's eyes are very attractive. Some people's face, their, their, their features, they're, they're very handsome. They're very attractive. Right. And they can penetrate, uh, you know, into uh, into uh, people's attentions than other people can. Uh, there's some people in just their attitude. They're like that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made everybody very differently. So some people's voices are like that. 
right? Some people's uh, cho- choice of words are like that. Some people's expressions are like that. Their feelings, their emotions, etc. So everybody has their own challenge, but the Sharia has made it very simple that, look, this is try to keep it formal, try to keep it like in its very formal kind of tone so that it, there's no sense of alert, uh, you know, alluring in there like I uh, showed the exchange yesterday where you're not saying things beyond sometimes you might receive an email from someone that seems to be all gushy and uh, you know all soppy etc etc you don't i mean shaitan is then going to make you think at that point that look there's an opening here you should you know uh, you can uh, you can make your advance as well but that's when you have to cut it off and restrict it that's that's the important thing that's why one of our sheikhs he said that um Ka'b ibn Malik radiyallahu anhu, who was the great Sahabi in the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, but during the expedition of Tabuk, he, he, uh, was, his crops had become ready to, uh, to cut and uh, to take care of. So he thought, I'll, I'll, I'll just finish it off and then I'll catch them up. Because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and everybody, they were preparing to leave, then they left. And Ka'b radiyallahu anhu said that we, I still stayed behind. And I thought, I'll catch them up, I'll catch them up, I'll catch them up. Then eventually there was no battle and the Prophet ﷺ decided to come back. And he decided to ask where Ka'ab anhu was. And essentially Ka'ab found out that he'd missed it. Right? He'd missed, the, he'd missed that expedition. He felt really, really bad. So there were only three uh, true Sahaba and companions that had actually missed the battle. When the Prophet ﷺ came back, Ka'ab was thinking of all of these various excuses that I'll go and give him this excuse and I'll say this, this is why I couldn't come. Finally, he said, I'm just going to go and tell him the truth. So he went, he told him the truth. The other two did the same thing. And the Prophet ﷺ told everybody that nobody should speak to them for the next so many days. 50 days, nobody should speak to them. The munafiqeen, the hypocrites who had also missed uh, they came and gave excuses. The Prophet ﷺ accepted their excuses on their face value and let them go. But not for these three true Muslims. He, want, he, he wanted to that their, uh, that their penalty for doing this happen in this world. Right? So, uh, who says that, that the world became restricted despite its vastness. Nobody would speak to me. Even my own cousin, he didn't want to speak to me. And the only person that was allowed was, was my wife. And even, even that, we were told to, uh, to stay separately. Uh, after a number of days, we were told to stay separately, even with my wife. And the world become, became a very difficult way to, uh, place to live in. And then he says, in the midst of that, I was in the bazaar, I was, in, I was outside and somebody came and pressed the letter into my hand. I opened it up and it was actually from one of the non-Muslim rulers uh, um, around us, right? And essentially it said in there that, O oh, Ka'ab, you're such a man who should not be dishonored in this way. We've heard that your, your leader has dishonored you in this way or has, you know, uh, undignified, you know, caused you this kind of uh, problem. Uh, you should come and join with us. Now that's a major fitna, Right? Now, how is this related to what we're speaking about? The way it's related is that what did Ka'b radiallahu anhu do? This was a fitna for him in the sense that you've got your own leader who sent you to Coventry, as they say, right? Which means, you know, they've sent you, uh, to, uh, no, uh, forsaken you, nobody's speaking to you. You're like a, a prisoner without being in prison. You've got this other leader of the world, a ruler who's, you know, coming and saying, come and join with us and we'll give you the, you know, uh, as much honor as you want. It's a major fitna. It's a major problem, right? It's an attraction. 
but he said this is what I did I went and I threw the letter immediately into the into the fire into the tannur so that's what's happening here if anybody is hitting on you attacking you uh, basically trying to allure you into something and seduce you or you know whatever the advance is whether it's a light one don't entertain it cut it off right from the beginning if it's just initial phase and you think it's that but it's not re- you know you don't know if it's that or not just cut it off straight away Right, and just say, really, I'm, you know, just reply in such a way that it just pushes them off. At the end of the day, you've even got niqabi women. That's all they show, the eyes. And there's people who've, you know, who've adv- made advances towards them as well. You know, because you've got people who do these kind of things. Right? So at the end of the day, just because you wear a niqab, yes, you're going to be more protected. But th- that's not necessarily always going to be the 100% safe approach. A safe approach is your attitude. That's what's most important. So you just cut things off from the beginning. If you see something is getting un, you know, something is getting beyond control, then just cut relations. Like Ka'b radiallahu anhu went and threw, uh, went and threw this letter into. That's what you do. Change your number. If you have to change your number, change your number. Change your email. Take a drastic move. Just say khalas. That's it. You know, don't have these emotional attachments. There's a, there's a person who said you know they they had a they had a boyfriend and and so on and so forth and they couldn't get married or whatever and uh, he wants to go and date somebody he wants you know he wants to he's now seeing this other woman to try to marry her or whatever and she's saying I'm trying to help him not do that but clearly the reason she's trying to do that is obviously to uh, because she still feels some attachment so you have to be honest with yourself the thing about here is you have to realize that it's going to be a massive problem afterwards and it's a sin it's a problem it's extremely detrimental and the shaitan is extremely clever so you just want to avoid that now having said all of that it's permissible for people to you know for uh, you know for men to speak to women women to speak to men right whether you wear a niqab or not that doesn't matter as long as you keep it formal and and important and official and professional that's what matters and we really need to we we've had cases where a woman she's got massive problems but she's unwilling to go and speak to somebody because because she feels that it's not right for her to speak to a man to get help right in you know in 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 a particular situation or to get her work done or something like that or to ask a question for example women used to come to the prophet sallallahu to ask questions and after that to the sahaba it was the same thing there are in in bukhari and muslim number of ahadith like that where women came to ask a question there's even that in um, uh, it, it, it happened all over for example uh, sheikh abu laytha samarqandi who i've done my phd on he's written kitab nawazil so he himself explains and he's in balkh which is afghanistan which is extremely conservative place right and he says that a woman came you know i was uh, with my students or whatever a woman came and she asked uh, this this question uh, about another woman's pregnancy and and her you know her nifas her postnatal bleeding etc and this is the response i gave and and so on and so forth so these kind of things had to happen you have a question you have to go and ask them right that that's that's the way these things you have to realize but it's with professionalism the problem we have is uh, the, uh, the, we just don't know how to interact and some people they just go extreme with that may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve that another point that I want to make is that if your husband is doing something like that what do you do? now that's a tough one because for many women it, le- it, it takes them eventually to it makes them paranoid it makes them so paranoid that the stories that we've heard you've got women who as soon as the husband will go out of the house they will actually look out of the window to see who's 
if he's going with somebody, if he's getting into somebody else's car or somebody is getting into his car, she'll wait when he's coming back from work to see how he's coming back, whether he's seeing anybody or not. She'll go through his phone. She will wake up in the middle of the night to check his email so that he doesn't find out. And it's paranoia. She will even feel that it's something she shouldn't be doing. She will recognize that. She will know that, that she shouldn't be doing this. It's killing her. It's messing her up. But she will still do that. Right? It's just absolute paranoia. You need to... You need to just be upfront with your husband in a nice way to deal with that issue, right? Otherwise, there's no other. Otherwise, you need to get some kind of counseling because that is just like this way of self-destruction. Especially the longer it becomes, it becomes really bad to get this kind of paranoia. Obviously, the husband should not do anything like that to create that kind of a feeling. But sometimes the women take this out of context. For example, this one woman she contacted us. She said, "I saw my husband looking at the images on the Daily Mail." Right now on the Daily Mail website, apparently they have a lot of celebrity images and obviously celebrities aren't dressed very well. So he said, I saw them looking at her and she's asking that, what should I do about this? You know, she just felt so affronted. Right now, essentially, I couldn't tell her that, you know, you're lucky that that's all he's looking at because a lot of men, they're looking at much worse beyond that. Right. But you can't say that to somebody like that. But at the end of the day, the, the, the affront that a woman feels is this. She feels that why is he? And then she just come out of pregnancy she just had a child so she is saying that i'm not beautiful anymore i'm not attractive anymore this is what shaitan makes women feel a lot of the time when their husbands have mislooked at something which they shouldn't be it's haram for them to do that right so i'm not justifying why they do that i'm not justifying they're doing that that's haram to do but all i want to mention on the women's side is that don't go extreme and start thinking that oh it's because you've just you don't look good anymore or you're not attractive anymore because then that if if that's how you feel then that is exactly how you will be because when you feel unattractive you're not going to feel like doing anything right you're just going to be crying about it and you have no way it's going to lead to depression so what you want to do is instead of that you want to stand up for yourself and firstly you want to see whether that's is the case or not number one number two don't be paranoid about it Never feel, and you have to realize, I'm telling you from a man's perspective, right? As much as you may say no, whatever the case is, you, you should actually, I think uh, we spoke about this sometime before, and the, the video of this is on Zamzam Academy, it's called, What Do Women Get in Paradise? That actually discusses this whole psycho psychology of men and women and how they differ. You know, for men, they could have the most wonderful wife, but just their, the, 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 the feeling, the psychology of a man is that they would want more. They would want variety. And I mean, I'm just being blunt and very clear here. What, what it is, is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows and recognizes completely that a woman is going to be jealous of her husband having somebody else. Right, because that's even proven through the fact that Aisha radiallahu anha had these rivalries, Aisha, Hafsa, um, and the other wives of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the Ummahatul Mu'minin. They had these rivalries. There's no doubt about it. It's firmly established that they had these rivalries. So the fact that a woman is going to be jealous of a husband having another wife, right? Uh, th that's absolutely the case, except in certain, you know, very minority situations. On the other hand, the fact that a man has a desire for more than one and thus in paradise a man is promised more than one wife more than one spouse more than one partner right uh, whereas the woman isn't isn't their, their rewards are different right generally speaking so knowing the fact that in this world women are going to feel jealousy and knowing the fact that the man has a desire for more than one right 
what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do? If he took into consider he if he took into consideration that the jealousy is a more is a bigger problem, then he would have prohibited the man from having more than one wife. But if if it's felt that the desire is more important to take care of here, then it means that he should give permission for more than one wife because that is more of a danger that that is not dealt with than this one. Right? So that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave permission in the Quran for a husband to have more than one wife, up to four. Up to four, not even two, not even three, but four. I mean, why four? Think about it from that perspective. You know? All I'm saying is think of it psychologically, and this will help you out to deal with your situation. That's what I'm saying. I'm not encouraging men to go out and get married to more than one. I, I want to make that very clear. I'm just talking about it from a purely psychological perspective, just to make the feel uh, women feel the, the perspective of how men feel. Because many times when men do these weird things, which are haram for them to do, the women take react in a worse in a worse way than they should do yes they should react because it's haram absolutely and they want to they want to protect their turf but then for them to start feeling that i'm not good enough anymore that is generally not the right answer a man is going to love his wife she's everything for him but he's going to want more because that's what allah that's the way he has been made that's his nature and you have to realize that it's not that he hates you now it's not that you are not good enough for him because many people they say, wasn't she good enough? Aren't I good enough? Aren't I sufficient? I do this for him, I do that for him. Yes, you do, but that's just the way men are, right? That's just the way men are. And that's why Allah has allowed that despite knowing that women are going to feel extremely jealous and grieved because the feeling of jealousy and grief here is, an, is, a, is a less of a fitna than for a man not to be allowed to marry more than one. And I think one of the reasons why there is so much zina, even in the Muslim community, is because we live in a highly sexualized world where you're seeing all sorts of outside, you're confronting all sorts of things and you're interacting on all sorts of levels and you can't do more than one because the community doesn't allow it. Forget the law, the, you know, the, the, the legal aspect is another aspect, but even the community frowns upon it. And again, I'm not encouraging, I'm just trying to explain just so that it becomes more manageable for you to deal with this. Because if the women have a clear head when they find their husbands doing weird things, flirting uh, or you know, chatting up women or, or whatever, they'll have a more clear head in the way they need to deal with it. So I'm trying to empower the women here to understand the situation, to understand where they need to come from. Because if you're going to come from the perspective that, oh, I'm like this now and I'm not good enough, etc. You've got no legs to stand on. You're just self-destructing then. You can't respond to this man anymore. You can't, deal, you can't help him because you feel inefficient. You feel feeble. You feel weak. You feel vulnerable. You feel like you, you know, there's no attention anymore. And that's absolutely wrong. Right, because the ma the man's feeling is a different feeling, and women's feeling is a, uh, feelings are different. And as uh, you know, one of the authors said, men are from Mars and women are from Venus. Literally, from a psychological perspective, we are from two different planets. Not literally, but metaphorically speaking, that is the case. We think differently, right? Of course, there's exceptions to this rule, but that is generally the way the the, the way you must think. So when this woman said that. I caught my husband looking at their, their email. I mean, I said, yes, it's haram, it's wrong, and you know, you should talk to him and everything. But I tried to give her the confidence by telling her that, look, we want to help you to help your husband that it doesn't go beyond this. 
right? But other women are doing much worse. Sorry, other men are doing much worse than that, and women can't do it. They're in their bed, and the husbands are on the you know on the on the computer. They're doing something else. So. You, it's the way you have to deal with it. That's very important to understand. So the Sharia gives allowance for discussion. Just to just to recap, the Sharia gives allowance for discussion under certain formality and so on. Otherwise, if you don't have that modesty inside you, then it doesn't matter whether you wear a hijab or a niqab or you cover yourself or you stay inside. There's people who are going to do haram if they have the sense of modesty is not inside them. I've come across so many women that they don't wear, they don't cover their face, but they look down and they walk. Then they speak to a man, they look down, they, they, they try to observe the principles. Then you've got women who obviously wear niqab, they wear hijab, etc., etc. But, you know, they're all done up inside or whatever. So you've got the extremes. It doesn't mean that all niqabis are bad, all hijabis are bad, or all, you know, non-hijabis are good. It's just that if, we're done, if we don't sort out the inside, then it doesn't matter because fitna is going to come from all sides. You have to remember that. Fitna is going to come around you because shaitan is trying to attack us. If we don't develop our inside and the true haya and modesty inside, we're not going to get anywhere. Right? We're not going to get anywhere. The, the, the benefit of modesty and haya to avoid these kind of things is great. Because if you remember, there are two stories that are mentioned in the hadith. And they're both about... They're actually both about these uh, special worshippers uh, of the previous nations who worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a lot for many, 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 many years. And you've got two famous stories, and I'm sure you've heard both of them. One is the story of Juraj, and the other story is of Barsis, right? Barsis and Juraj. Juraj is, uh, Barsis's story is quite remarkable in the sense that it's quite scary. He's a man who's been worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for so many years, never, you know, this, that and the other. And shaitan wanted to attack him. So what happened is that these few brothers, they decided that we're going to go out somewhere, so we need to leave our sister somewhere. The best person to leave her with is this Barsis. And finally, they left her with Bar- uh, Barsis in a, you know, in a separate room, everything. But eventually, because they were close enough, Right, Shaitan. I mean, the story is long. I'm sure you've heard of it, so I don't want to repeat the whole story. But eventually, what happened is, Shaitan made him, uh, made him commit zina with her, and finally kill her because he was going, now going to be found out. So just by this zina, he committed murder. Obviously, he had to lie. He went and buried her. Then Shaitan gave them indications where she was. Then he was found, and then he was going to be hung. And then Shaitan came and said to him, "If you just bow your head to me, I will have you freed." He did that, and that. That's when the noose tightened around his neck and he actually died as a kafir, a mushrik, right? A worshipper of the shaitan is in a sense. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. After being such a great worshipper. On the other hand, and, and why did this happen? Is because he didn't stop at that first level, right? On the other hand, you've got Juraj. Now Juraj, again, there's a plot to try to, uh, you know, to try to mislead him and seduce him. And obviously that was all based on his mother's du'as against him that may Allah not allow you to die until you see the face of a, a, a bad woman, right? So then, you know, there's this woman who wants to try to attract him and so on. So she g- goes and tries, but he, he thwarts her, you know, he repels, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't take any interest. Finally, what happens is that she goes and gets impregnated by somebody else. Then she comes and carries the baby and said that, you know, says, uh, alleges that he is the one who committed zina with her. So uh, eventually, 
when he's brought to court and they they break his uh, they break his uh, you know his place of worship down saying what kind of a bad person is this and so on and so forth and then when he's brought to court he says no i uh, you know i didn't do this and then the child speaks up this infant speaks up that no my real father is such and such a shepherd this other this other person so now they they make his place again so now he was saved here because he would he he he, he kept his chastity and that's why allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that whoever tries to be chaste allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, will will give him man yata'affaf yu'affihillah right anybody yu'affahullah which is uh, the the person who's tried to stay chaste allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give him that but the only way we can do that is by understanding the repercussions gaining a love for allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that's the way. So you got these two stories that Allah subhanahu the Prophet related, and each of them are about a similar kind of individual, a worshipper. One gets saved, and the other one unfortunately dies a mushrik. So it's quite detrimental. But in terms of the women, just to just to again mention, you want to put things in perspective if you are facing this. You need to get help. You need to don't tell the whole world about it, but get some professional help. Get some help from someone. There's a close a friend you have that's wise and that's not going to tell the whole world, then speak to her about it or speak to uh, one of the imams or the sheikhs about it. But get some help. Or, But the main thing is don't get paranoid. Don't start becoming infatuated and obsessed by things and like every phone call you're checking out, every email you're checking out and so on. And of course, if you see that things are getting beyond, then you need to get some help. You need to have a frank discussion with them. And on the other hand, you need to be you know, I, I don't want to go into this topic at length, but there's other aspects to this as well, which is that sometimes, you know, with the natural inclination that men have towards others anyway, right, it's, it's sometimes the men are pushed in that direction by the women not really giving attention to their husbands. Now, this happens in certain cases as well. They don't give enough attention to their husbands. So they don't dress up for them. They dress up for a wedding. They'll spend two hours dressing up for a wedding by a special dress. When it comes to their husband, they don't, they don't do that, right? A husband comes home in the evening. It's just too busy. They don't give them any qualify, uh, quality time, especially after the children are born. They don't do that. Whereas research shows nowadays that actually having a healthier husband and wife relationship, paying more attention to your spouse is actually more healthier even for the children because it will eventually filter down because these are the two homemakers if they're if it's good there it's going to filter down and if you focus more on your children although they are very demanding if you focus more on your children and less on your spouse there's there's going to be issues if there's an issue you need to just clarify apologize and get on with it and um, allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to understand things well but really for women they need to realize that it shouldn't be an affront to them it's bad, it's haram, it's wrong, but they shouldn't feel that it's because of some deficiency within themselves. At the end of the day, we're all deficient anyway, right? None of us is perfect, but that's the nature of man, uh, the, the way they, they, they think. They have, to, they have to do things in a halal way, in a proper way, and a decent way, right? There are many people that come to me and they say, you know, I've, uh, I'd like to get married again. I've got a perfect wife, etc., but I'd just like to get married again. Or there's this woman who's in need and, you know, she's... Uh, you know, she, she, she's actually asked me that she doesn't mind being a second wife and she doesn't mind, you know, losing some of her rights, etc., etc. And my advice is always to these people. I say that, uh, and remember, we're talking about nikah here because marriage is illegal. But what I generally say to these people is that don't do it unless your first wife is fine with it. Because you might be trying to help somebody out in your, in your intention, 
right? Or shaitan may be making you feel like that. You might just be wanting to fulfill your desire or whatever. Whatever justification you have. But if the first wife is not on board, then you're just going to have agony in your life. Why mess up a situation that you have that Allah has given you where you're happy with? And you're messing it up for somebody else. Yes, if some miraculously you can convince your first wife that we need to do this and you all, uh, you know, you all decide together, alhamdulillah, that's a different story. But otherwise, you want to completely avoid this because it's just going to cause a lot of aggravation. And you want to avoid that. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. May Allah give us love and understanding between the spouses. Give us a lot of barakah between the spouses. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to avoid zina in every form whatsoever. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us jannatul firdaus in the hereafter. Wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.